There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before I start this podcast, I want to give two shout-outs this week. Firstly, to the Just Hangry Girl for making the best cookies in the world. And secondly, to Beauty by Amberly for giving me the best massage in the world. You two girls are amazing. Check them both out on Instagram, Just Hangry Girl and Beauty by Amberly. On with this week's episode. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. Joining me this week on Secure the Insecure, it's someone that I only get to see on the 2nd or 3rd of January each year. Well, I've had New Year's Eve, I've had the New Year's big party, or for me, a hot chocolate Bailey's, a Chinese takeaway for one and bed at 11 o'clock. And I know that it's going to be a brand new year and I'm going to see this person. You've seen this person as well. She chose not to be famous. She was born literally more or less on TV. She was on TV literally as a baby and hasn't really ever left our screens until 10 years ago where she took a different route into fitness. I'm so excited to have her here. She's got four fitness books out. She's got a recipe book out in January. She's got a podcast, which I'm obsessed with at the moment. I'm delighted to say on Security and Secure this week, it's Chloe Maidley. Hello, Chloe. Hi, gorgeous. It's so good to speak to you, not in January. Well, I know, but the awkward thing is, this January, I presume we're going to be talking on Zoom or Skype or whatnot, whereas normally you come in for the big hug, you're my token Jew, which is what I like to call you when I see you, and it's yeah. kind of finished now. I know, I know. I, it's going to be interesting, actually, promoting the book this year, because obviously we'll start promoting it in December and go through to February. And I don't know what the restrictions will be at that time or what it'll be like, but um, this will be my fourth year now of book promotion at that time of year, and it'll be it'll be a really interesting shift. Well, that's the thing. It's our four-year anniversary, and we've still not had a crepe together in Hampstead, the best crepe in the world. I know, so we should probably explain to everybody. We're both um, Northwest Londoners. Um, I am, I am probably in all of our so in everybody's social circle in Northwest London. I'm the only non-Jew in the whole crew, um, and that is pretty much how we bonded right off the bat, which is just hilarious. My token non-Jew friend, exactly. We all have one token non-Jew, and you, Chloe, are mine. I know they all call me HJ, the honorary Jew, because I I know more about your religion than most people <laughs> who are of your religion. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually worryingly very true. And so <laughs> I've got so much to ask you, but I suppose the first thing to do really is to talk about your journey into the world because your parents are Richard and Judy, pillars of the TV community. They were on TV in the 1980s when you were born. And, you know, you were first on TV of Dr. Chris Steele giving you a check as a baby. So you didn't really have a choice of are you going to go on TV or not? 
No, I mean, it was um, my first injection was on TV with Dr. Chris. My first swimming lesson was on TV. My first holiday was on TV. And even the things that I wasn't actually on TV for, they were all talked about on TV, which actually was really lovely. The only time it actually took maybe a bit of a nasty turn was when I got a bit older and I thought I wanted to work in the public eye, which I quickly realized I did not. And that's when it took kind of a, a nasty turn and I got a lot of flack for being things like nepotism were said, were said in the same kind of breath as my name. And people just decided that they hated me, you know, in certain corners of the press. Um, and then it wasn't too pleasant. But growing up, it was actually lovely. And still to this day, having people come up to me and saying, I, I love your mum and dad, it's the nicest feeling in the world. Well, your mum and dad, don't do any harm they're not like most tv presenters that you're are like marmite your mum is a great author the book club is doing amazing your dad is hilarious you know obviously his allergy impression i've worked for him a couple of times he's so down to earth he's so funny and obviously his love of alan partridge uh is one not to be missed ever he's you yeah, know ever. they're very very nice down to earth people and there should never be any nepotism there because you've worked so hard to get to where you are that it's surprising and upsetting in the same breath that people would go oh well it's it's Chloe Maley she's only made it because of what her mum and dad do or because your brother Jack is one of the best agents out there is working you know for the biggest company in the in the UK looking after the best celebrities so you know it's really unfair for you to be pigeonholed like that. I got a job, uh, a work experience, so it was completely unpaid. And anyone who's gone into TV knows that that's pretty much the only way you get in. It's through the back door, work experience, and you don't get, you don't make any money out of it. And that's how I started. And I started working on the Alan Titchmar show um, when he had a show. And I was working on Women. I did Market Kitchen, which was Tana Ramsey's show. And I was work experience for a while. And then I worked my way up to being um, a runner. And then I worked my way up to being a junior researcher and a senior researcher. And I worked behind the scenes for years and years and years and years, making no money because that's what happens when when you're in TV. But simultaneously, I was getting offered kind of novelty jobs in front of the camera. And of course, I wanted to do things like dancing on ice and stuff like that because it was you basically get paid loads of money. And as I say, you don't make any money when you're working in TV at that level. You get paid loads of money to get people like Torval and Dean teach you how to ice skate. And I was like, of course, I wanted to do it. So I got a lot of flack for kind of the nepotism for being in front of the camera, but nobody ever, even though all the press knew, everybody knew who worked in the media that I was working behind the scenes in TV, nobody ever mentioned that part. So it made me look just like this weird, flitty little character that was just kind of jumping from TV show to to TV show with no real reason. But I actually realized, you know, when I hit my early 20s that I didn't actually like the spotlight as much as I thought I would. And I kind of... I'm very, very lucky that I found what I do now, which is absolutely kind of what I would reference as my calling. Do you think that's because you were exposed to it at such an early age that you never really had time to appreciate everything? You know, when you were 14 years old, George Michael was having dinner at your house. You had Matt Lucas and David Williams at your house. That And all these stars continued that actually you never got to fully appreciate it. It was more like you doing work experience was seeing what does mum and dad did he do? You know, how do they get to it else? We all want to know what our parents do but we never really understand what they did. So this was your way of actually learning about mum and dad that you didn't see the whole time because they were busy working. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I've never thought of it like that. I think you're right. You know, this sounds like a really annoying thing to say, and that's not lost on me, but it is just my... Oh, this is also an annoying thing to say. This is my truth, um, and the truth of it is for me, 
uh, because I grew up in the world of celebrities, celebrities don't phase me in the same way that they would for someone who, you know, watches them on TV and, and you know, of course, kind of idolizes certain celebrities. I never had that. So to me, it wasn't intimidating going into that world. But at the same time, it was so normal that I didn't, that when, it, when the reality of it hit and I realized how not normal it was, when it happens really to you and at you, that I suddenly realized, oh, I thought that I would handle this perfectly seamlessly, but actually it was more jarring to me because I was on the receiving end of it. And I hated it. And I still to this day don't enjoy being in the public eye. And the only reason why I use it now is really a promotional tool for what I do do, which is health and fitness and coaching. Would you ever though do a TV show with your dad, Richard, madely where you do something to do with fitness with him being a presenter and you as the fitness expert yeah i mean if if i said to my agent um i will do any tv at all that either has something to do with what i do now which is you know health and fitness i've you know got nutrition qualifications and i've got personal training qualifications and and then some um and i obviously am a very active coach um and health and fitness author and so if it had anything to do with my passion and my career, of course I would do it. The only other TV, though, now that I would say yes to is anything I got offered with my husband would be a hoot, and I would, like, love to do that just because it would be so fun and, like, stupid and enjoyable that I would say yes to that. But everything else that I get offered, I turn down because I'm not interested in just being in front of the camera to be in front of the camera anymore. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Your husband, James Haskell, we saw him and I'm a celebrity get me out of here last year. He's a rugby player, but that's kind of where he became prominent. He'll be known as, you know, someone who was in the jungle. Chloe Maidley of, of Big Brother's Big Mouth and Dancing on Ice and obviously Live at Five, which I liked watching one on Channel 5. Um, <laughs> together, you came together. You've got this podcast, Couples Quarantine, which we'll talk about in a bit. But you've created a brand together. James has got his book out now as well. So he's going to be promoting his book over the next couple of weeks. You've got the podcast, you've got your health stuff going on. You're creating a brand together as James and Chloe. What do you want to do with that Haskell brand? Because you can do anything you want. You could be the next Rogan Spencer on Quest TV doing a Fly on the Wall series. You could be doing Marvin and Rochelle hosting this morning. What do you actually want to do, though, Chloe? Well, I'll tell you this for free. This morning would not touch James and I with a 10-foot goal because we are not family-friendly. <laughs> well, we know with what you talk about in your podcast. I'll tell you that yeah. for free. I know, I know they will. They will not let us near anything. Um, anything that's um, pre-watershed is just not going to happen. So basically, I will do anything with James just for a laugh, just to have fun. And obviously, like I said, I'll do anything to do with my career, which is actually, you know, coaching and, and, and anything that I that I have a real passion for, like training and nutrition. Um, ultimately, I'm doing Couples Quarantine, which is our podcast, with James, because I, I swear to God, he is making me do it. If you ask me a question, I will answer it honestly. Like, I don't have a filter at all. And because I know that about myself, I deliberately take myself out of awkward situations so that I don't make everybody, including me, feel awkward by saying the truth all the time so james knows this about me too which is why he puts me in front of the microphone and brings up these topics because he knows that i'm going to speak on it and that's you know why i think the the podcast is doing so well because we're very honest and we talk about everything you know no holds barred at all if i'm going to be honest I, he would have to really strong arm me into doing something even more public with him because I, i'm already struggling with quarantine i just like I tried to listen to some of it back and I just couldn't do it. I just cringed too hard. Is it the bit where you're talking about PCH that gets you? Oh, my God. So this is what I find really interesting. So 
One thing I've always had to work on in my marriage and my relationship with James is that I find him to be very offensive a lot of the time. And it's something that I've really had to like talk myself you know, to be able to very much the dominant male in the situation. He's the archetypal man. And as a feminist, I find him to be offensive sometimes. And I have to understand his background, the fact that he went to boarding school, the fact that he's a rugby player and that he is who he is. And I love him. So it's okay. But I'm amazed. I have not had one message from one person being like, I find your husband really offensive. Like, I'm a feminist. Like, what is the stuff that comes out of his mouth? And I really, now I'm questioning if maybe I'm just a bit uptight. (laughs) When he started talking about PCH, which I'll just tell your listeners, that's what James calls post-cum hatred, (gasps) which is when when you have sex with someone who you don't really fancy just to have sex with them, and then you get PCH. Now, I find that highly offensive. But these are the things that come out of his mouth. Nobody bats an eyelid but me. So I'm like, maybe I just need to, like, chill out a bit. Regardless of how offensive I can find him, especially when he talks about sex and stuff like that, the irony of that is that we are actually very sexually compatible. Like, we are a very compatible uh, duo in the bedroom. Although I will also say this, and we talk about this on the podcast too, we do go through phases. I think that, you know, because we talk so openly about our sex life, people think that we have some, like, lit sex life that's absolutely crazy and, you know, we're always going at it. And it's like, no, we we go through phases where actually we we have to really work on it. And then we go through phases where it comes really naturally to us. I think that was another kind of reason that James really was excited to do the podcast is because he wanted to kind of say to everybody, like, look, we're not couple goals and we're not at all. We have loads of issues that we have to work on, like every couple. But actually to say to people, it's, it's okay to have a relationship where sometimes you argue or sometimes you don't have sex or, you know, sometimes you're not, you're not seeing eye to eye on things and and i really i really like that motivation for doing it well i think it's just amazing that you're so honest and brave and candid with it because again your parents not to label them as part of you they do make up who you are which for everyone that's true but when your parents are richard and judy it's a whole nother dimension do you feel you've almost got responsibility to act a certain way because it reflects on them to an extent for a long part of my life if i'm going to be honest i kind of lived in like paralyzing anxiety fear that anything that i said or did that was considered you know cringe or too honest anything really if i'm going to be frank just anything honest um i lived in fear that it would fall out my mouth or it would appear in the paper and i would hugely disappoint not only my parents but their their fans and their employers and their agents and my whole life was basically spent treading on eggshells now because we're in a new age of social media and they're really not on social media like my dad will dip in and out of twitter to promote like the book club or whatever but they're not on social media and we now broadcasting now is very much a social media driven entity and because they're not involved in that side of it, I feel very safe to talk openly and honestly. But what I forget is, ironically, now people take what happens online and on social media and they run it in the press. And it used to work the other way around. But now they take what happens on social media and they run it in the press. And I keep forgetting that it is all going to get back to my parents. And when I think about that, I go back into a state of panic. As I started to go into my teens, which is obviously when you become really self-conscious, that was also when, like, the online media really started to become, kind of, it started to take over print media. And obviously with that comes blogs and trolls and the very, very nasty side of um, the internet when you're in the public eye. 
Um, although to be fair, now you don't even have to be in the public eye. It can it can turn messy on anyone at any time. But this was when it really started to take off and it was a very new thing. You know, trolling wasn't even a term that people used. MySpace was really the only like kind of social network between friends and stuff like that. And when I came into my teens, everybody basically just started saying that I looked like my dad in a wig or I looked like a man. And and that had a huge impact on on my self-confidence, on um, how I saw myself. Um, even, you know, now, you know, I still struggle every now and again when someone will say to me, and they mean they don't mean it as a, in a nasty way, but someone will say, like, God, you look like your dad, which is totally normal. Of course I look like my dad. He's my dad. And I've actually got all of his genetics, so of course. But even when they say it just, just as a, a flippant comment, it, it feels like I've been punched in the gut again because that was like my, I think that was my first introduction to trolling. So it definitely had some, some dark moments. I don't have a filter at all. Um, or if it's because growing up, I, you know, they did talk about me a lot and everybody did know everything about me and maybe I've just never really felt like I really had anywhere to hide, you know, that other than, like I say, like if I deliberately choose to take myself out of situations because I know that I don't have a filter. So if James and I are arguing, and we have a night out with friends planned, I deliberately won't go because I know I won't be able to contain it. <laughs> so I'll be like, everyone will feel awkward, so I'll stay home. Um, and maybe that is just because I never really felt like people didn't know stuff about me right off the bat. <laughs> well, I think the two of you need to go on Celebs Go Dating to the uh, couples therapy section because they do the uh, couples therapy for married couples. I think you two need to have a little visit there to uh, Paul C. Brunson and Anna Williamson. Yeah, I mean, but that would be... I know Anna, actually. We go way back. She's great. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, James would love it. James would be all over it. But I'm really, again, like I say, I'm really scared to put myself in a situation where I'll say too much, because I do. I think I would probably freak out a bit. <laughs> what do you think you would ask them, though? If you could talk to Anna, who is amazing, what would you say to them? What, what do you think the main problems are? Because you've got such a strong relationship. You've been married for two years. Um, what would you say, though, that's going wrong still that leads to all these arguments that you keep having? James and I can't communicate well. And that's the one thing that we try really hard to work on is that. So if I bring an argument to him or not an argument, that's not even the right word, because I don't argue. I, I try and talk to him about stuff. But he feels like when I bring stuff up, like I'm criticizing him and he then gets really, really angry. And then we have an argument. So what we're trying to work on is me being slightly more aware of how I approach him with things or maybe even just picking what I do and don't approach him with. So like starting with me and then we're also simultaneously trying to work on how he responds to the things that I do bring to his table. So that's like a constant work in progress and we've been working on that for uh, good years now. I mean, I think we first realized it was a problem maybe three years in. So we've been working on it for a couple of years. Yeah, we're still we're still trying. But I think everyone knows when, when you're an adult, it's quite hard to change how you are. Ultimately, we just love each other to death. I don't think that it would we'd ever let it get so bad where we'd have to <laughs> we'd have to call it. <laughs> Let's talk about the fitness side of you now, because that obviously the relationship side, the love side, uh, we've spoken about. I want to obviously talk about your podcast before you go, but I want to talk about fitness because you are the queen of fitness although you make me ill with the food you eat and the fact that you keep telling me oh you eat food to refuel and for energy it's not to enjoy yourself and if you enjoy yourself you've got to refuel after um i don't say that i don't check your instagram posts um oh yeah but that's for people in a fat loss phase that's not for real like life like how to enjoy your life obviously i like my we know you like a glass of wine or two or yeah. ten or seven 
my um, my um, my favorite things in life is, is food and wine. I mean, honestly, genuinely. But you have to understand that you can't dive into a pit of food and wine all day, every day, and then expect to wake up and be happy with yourself, even mentally or physically, because it doesn't work like that. You have to understand that you have to have, you know, you have to take care of your body, and then you have to enjoy your life. But it shouldn't be a con. It shouldn't be a three six five of enjoying your life. But nor should it be a three six five of only obsessing about taking care of your body. You have to try and find and balance. Looks different for everyone. So I hate it when people are like, "Get balance." Like, those are subjective. You have to find the balance that works for you and your life. Anyway, I just realised we went way off track, Karen. No, it's really interesting. Um, but what made you get into fitness and really take ownership of your body? Well, it's really interesting, actually. My my now ex-boyfriend, Danny, was a personal trainer, and I met him um, through... He was a, an actor on Coronation Street, and he PT'd when he wasn't working. And so he he wanted more female... Um, he wanted more female clients, he wanted more female followers. So he said, if I take you... Uh, to the gym and kind of and kind of get you in great shape will you document it and I had absolutely no interest in doing this like I was not somebody who enjoyed exercise at all but I really fancied him and I was like falling in love with him at the time and I was like yeah yeah sure 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 like feigned enthusiasm and then what got to the gym and he put an olympic bar on my back and he taught me how to squat and it was just Immediate. It sounds ridiculous, but it was just immediate. I fell in love with it. I loved how I felt mentally. I loved how I felt physically. I loved how I felt afterwards. And I decided that I would go back and keep training. Um, And I did. And I fell madly in love with it. And then I changed my diet after a few weeks just to see if the training was doing anything to my body. And it did. And then I fell in love with the results. And then I moved home and got fully qualified. and, And that was it. So the problem is, I want to talk to you about then what happened, but the problem is I've been sidetracked now. So your uh, ex-boyfriend is Danny Young, uh, who was also in Kaching as Ricardo back in the day. I only want to tell you this because I just think you'll find it quite funny. He wore a suit to the British Soap Awards in 2004, which I was standing with my family uh, trying to get autographs from everyone and anyone, being a little 10-year-old Kino. And he wore this cream suit. And for my bar mitzvah, because you're a token Jew, you'll appreciate this. Um, for my bar mitzvah, I had a cream suit purely because Danny Young wore it for British Soap Awards. That's seriously a true story. Oh, my God. How cool is that? I'll tell him. I still speak to him sometimes. So I'm going to send him a message and tell him that story. He'll, he will love that. I'm sorry, but I just had to bring that up because it's a true no, story it's about Danny Young. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's so funny because I don't watch, I've never really watched TV, which I know is highly ironic. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just not really a TV kind of gal. Um, but it was so funny that people that watched him in, I'd never even heard, I'd never heard of Kaching ever. People that watched him in that show, like, loved him. That was the show that, like, broke him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the uh, one where uh, Taj, uh, who was played by Devin Anderson, who was also Billy Jackson EastEnders, had to get his mum a million pounds. And he set up this website and, you know, it was, it was a school drama on CBBC. And it uh, had Hannah Toynton in it as well. And it was just a really good little CBBC drama. Um, but then, yeah, obviously he went to Coronation Street. But look, let's not talk about him. Let's talk about you and the more important thing of you becoming into fitness. So then you go into fitness. How have you found the past nine years of being taken seriously in the fitness industry? Or do you think there's still that pressure that you are Richard and Judy's daughter and you're trying to fight your way to you know, create your own identity? No, this is what's so amazing about it is that 
as soon as I came out of the world of TV, even just working behind the scenes, but obviously working in front of the camera as well, and that obviously makes you tabloid fodder right right immediately. As soon as I found this, you know, training was obviously, like I said, the thing that really got me hooked, and then the nutrition side of it, and then I moved home, and then I got qualified, and as it turns out, I'm actually really good at my job, and I know that that might sound like self-congratulating, but... I am really good at my job, and I, and I think it's because I work hard and I'm just good at it. I just understand it, and I, um, you know, I use a science, evidence-based approach. I do a lot of research. I have a lot of experience at this point. I've been doing it for nine years now, so I've got a lot of clients under my belt. Um, and all of a sudden, all those feelings of being Rich and Judy's daughter the negative ones at least, just completely disappeared. And if I get any flack now, I'm just like, oh, okay. I work Monday through Sunday. I get up at 6.30 every morning. I typically don't stop working till about 8 or 9.30 every night. Um, I don't mind doing that because I love what I do and I know that I'm helping people. So I just don't care anymore. But yeah, I worked really hard when I was younger and I wanted to work. I thought I wanted to work in TV. It was a real, real struggle not to let it get me down, which it did. But no, I don't feel like that anymore. Okay, so let's then talk about Couples Quarantine, the podcast. We've obviously touched on it a couple of times already. For those that haven't listened and still haven't worked out what we've been talking about all uh, all of this episode of Security and Skirt, why should people be listening to it? Oh, uh, Couples Quarantine, I think, is a really good thing to listen to. If you find yourself asking yourself about your relationship, is this normal? Is that okay? I wonder if anybody else goes through this. And if you find yourself asking that question then it is definitely something you should listen to. We talk about all things from cheating to children to money to marriage, divorce, breakups, everything. We have celebrity couples on, so it doesn't get too boring having just James and I. He calls it having an organized fight on there. We have celeb couples on who come in with different views and different experiences. Um, and we also have like experts on sex experts. We've got a, a couples therapist coming on soon. And I think it's just a really good place to come if you if you want to maybe feel better about some of the shit things about your relationship. To know that you're, what, so for example, should you get a dog? Well, James and Chloe have been through that. Should you have a baby? Yeah. James and Chloe are going through that. Um, you're, yeah. you're right, because you are very, very open and honest. What What's going on now with you having a baby? What's this week's update? Are you and James going to have a baby at the end of the year? So we go back and forth on it. So one minute we want a baby, or one of us wants a baby, the other one doesn't. And like round and round we go. There is no like visceral kind of need inside of me like i don't know body clock is ticking i need to have a baby i haven't experienced that yet and given that i'm 32 now i don't know if i'm going to but maybe i will but i'm in a place now where i would been living my life for a while and i'm quite happy to change it up a bit and i love kids i love babies especially you know you get people who are like i don't want the baby i want the kid i'm the officer i'm like i love babies and i'm kind of ready but james is just every time i say it to him and this is what i mean and we'll talk about this on the podcast all the time i would quite like maybe to have a baby now he's like we can have a baby when we have a dog like he's like using it it's like a bargaining chip to get himself a dog which he knows i don't want a dog and i'm like oh my god so even the fact that this is the conversation that we we have been having now for months now i'm kind of going back into my mindset of, i don't think he's ready to have a baby <laughs> His friends with Prince Harry, and who's obviously got baby Archie, Prince Harry put a little word in for him. And just say, look, you know, it's good to have a baby. Well, I mean, I don't have his number. So have I you got Megan's number? 
No, I don't have either of their number. I can't give him a nudge, but we do have lots of uh, mutual friends. So maybe I'll get a mutual friend to give him a nudge to say it to James. Because you know, if it's if it's a royal order, then he has to do it. Although technically they're not royal anymore, are they? Or are they? I'm not really. Who knows? Sure well, I was going to say, well, yeah, yet. but they still know the Queen. Imagine James gets a letter from the Queen in the post that says, "I demand that you and Chloe have a baby." Now he can't say no. Can you, I mean, he really would, he wouldn't say no as well because he loves her majesty. He would absolutely do what she said. And James is one of those really weird people who's like really obedient with rules. So if, it's like, if it says, you know, don't walk on the fountain or whatever, and I walk on the fountain, he'll be like, get off, didn't you? <laughs> he went to Meghan and Harry's wedding. What was he like there? Was he Because, you know, like you said, you're not phased by celebrities, but that's a whole other world when you're around the royal family. No, I really genuinely am not faced by any of it. James is James is, a, is like a huge, like, I mean, I won't use the, the phrase, but it's just think star ducker. <laughs> so he, he loves a celebrity and he, Elton John came up to him and like start, had a whole conversation with him and like, his whole face. I mean, he did not know what to do. He was so excited. And then he had a whole chat with um, Tom Hardy and he was equally like, I mean, just like red with excitement. And I just basically stood there with one of my actual friends, um, who's a mutual friend of ours, eating cake and getting drunk and didn't really speak to anyone but him. <laughs> never change, Chloe. Please, never change. Just keep doing you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, James was like, why didn't you come over? And I was like, because I was eating cake and getting drunk. And he was like, yeah, but why wouldn't you come over? It's Aaron John. I'm like, oh, I, I, do, I don't care. <laughs> Chloe made it there. If you like what you heard on the podcast, please do rate it and subscribe to it and tell a friend. It's so important that you help spread the word. It's okay to not be okay. And I'm glad I did that episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a bit of a celeb chat fest, but I think it's always important to have that balance of talking to a celebrity about life and then also talking about real in-depth issues as well, because that is what a conversation is. And my goal for you is to just keep opening up that conversation. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.